I'm Tara. And I'm Austin. And we're a married couple. And we're here to lovingly snark on Hallmark's countdown to Christmas lineup for the 2022 season. And we are here to talk about a very highly anticipated movie on the Hallmark lineup this year, which is... Three, Three wise men yes. and a baby. Three wise men and a baby. I can never remember. <laughs> it's so similar to Three Men and a Baby, and it without without the heroine, right? <laughs> um, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But we want to talk first about the movies that we watched last weekend. Yes. So let's do our snark chart wrap up for our Friday, Saturday, and Sunday movies. So on Friday night, we had in Merry Measure. Which we already podcasted on, so you know our full thoughts on that if you listen to that. And we ranked this one as watchable. Yes. Um, We definitely had some snarks, but pretty solidly watchable for that one. Then on Saturday night, we had one that I was highly anticipating. I mean, I was so excited about this one. We love the royal movies. It was the royal nanny. It was the spy one. And guys, it... It was it, bad, but snarkable. It did not hit. It was like trying to do too many things at once and doing none of them well. And it wasn't really a Christmas movie. Right. It was a really good example of one of those movies that if you took Christmas completely out of it, it changed absolutely nothing. There was no Christmas deadline. It really was like they had just this random, uh, probably movies and mysteries movie laying around that wasn't part of a series. And they just said, throw some Christmas trees in it and make it a Christmas movie. Yeah. And no, no romantic chemistry between our leads. The children were like adorable, but not featured enough for you to like fall in love with them. The sp- the spy, I don't know, like terrorist plot line, right? Doesn't have a lot of thriller because the most weapony thing you can have was a green umbrella. It was an umbrella. There was, there no, was like, no exploding gun, Christmas no trees or anything. So it was just. Yeah, the premise was that she's an MI6 um, agent and that she has to go in to protect the royal family. So she pretends to be their nanny. This is all like sanctioned by her her group. And then she falls in love with their um, uncle, who is not in line to be the crown. He's like fourth in line. He's like the spare. Yeah, he's (laughs) Um, definitely the hairy. So yeah, he's the Harry of the family. And so it was, you know, it was. So it was, it bordered on snooze fest. It was quite a boring movie, but there's enough snarkability here that we're going to solidly give that one bad, but snarkable. Let's talk about Sunday's movie. So Sunday was kind of the opposite situation. It was Christmas at the Golden Dragon, which is a movie I expected to be a snooze fest. Me too. And it was actually quite good annoyingly good in fact that is what we rated it (laughs) uh it was an ensemble based um not not quite love actually but that style storytelling where the characters are all interconnected but we're really following them throughout it was rooted in the family whose restaurant um, is the golden dragon and so we get to see the parents and the siblings and their lives but as well as like families and patrons of the restaurant who are impacted uh, we have a delivery boy we've got a single dad who doesn't know how to cook you know <laughs> and eating chinese every night of course. Um, but I, I don't know i i found it quite delightful it um, was it really was i think it's i think when you have the the ensemble storytelling for a hallmark christmas movie especially this kind it helps it beat the curse of the how is there an hour left in this movie? Right. Um, 
and because you get to like have something interesting throughout. Whereas when it's just focused on, you know, an A, A, A plot, B plot situation, you're kind of bored for that. <laughs> 90 minutes yeah i i find that most of these movies after about the 30 minute mark when they get the exposition rolling the last gems of the movie come in the last 10 minutes so yeah. everything from when you know we started at eight o'clock so everything from 8 30 to 9 50 is kind of me watching the clock sometimes but because this one had more exposition to set up more conflict in the middle because you had so many different storylines it didn't have that massive slump in the middle which i appreciated and spoiler alert they didn't save the restaurant which i also liked i also liked it was just that it was time and this is how family and community can stay connected and i thought that was a really beautiful end it was a little hard to follow because there were so many storylines it took us a while to if figure you can out push through that part and just like watch it anyway it it really is three main storylines it just looks like more at the beginning exactly um, so then let's talk about our Saturday night movies and mysteries, which we always talk about those last because they're not our primary focus. Yeah. Our, our podcast is geared more towards the countdown to Christmas lineup, but we want to, we want to toss those out there. We want to, we want to note that they exist because every once in a while you get a good one. Right. And our Italian Christmas memories was the Saturday night, um, movies and mysteries, the 10 o'clock downer movie <laughs> <laughs> um and normally i find them snooze fests and and we we mean that in a very literal sense where yeah not only because it's 10 o'clock at night and you're falling asleep but there's nothing there keeping you awake it's just not our style of christmas movie but i will say that our italian christmas memories was on the watchable scale like it, it was a middle it's not my favorite it wasn't holly and ivy tell them why you weren't snoozing the reason I don't consider this one is a snooze fest is because it's more of a cry fest. It is one of the saddest. He wasn't snoozing because he was crying. <laughs> We've got a dad who's struggling with early Alzheimer's coming in and this family really watching him start to forget. And it's scary. He gets lost and he almost like is out in the cold all night long. So I mean, it was this real kind of hard hitting Christmas story. So I, it's not a bad but snarkable. It's not a snooze fest. It's definitely one you need a tissue box for. and um, It's watchable if that's the kind of thing you want to watch. It's yeah. a very specific watchable with a very specific asterisk on it. Yep, for sure. So, so that wraps up our week four rankings. Right. Don't forget to visit us at hallmarksnark.com or follow us on any of your socials to see our current rankings. We're keeping them on our website as well as on our Instagram highlights. Um, so if you always want to look back for a reference, those are the places to go. But let's get to the real meat and potatoes of this week's podcast, which is Three Wise Men and a Baby. All right. So Austin, let's talk about Three Wise Men and a Baby. But you have that good old Hallmark plot synopsis over there, our little one or two sentence one. What does that say? All right, so here we go. Three brothers get the surprise of their lives when they are forced to work together to care for a baby over the holidays. As they slowly get the hang of things, they find themselves on an unexpected journey of self-discovery and begin to rebuild their relationships as brothers, as well as the damaged romantic and professional relationships in their respective lives, all while rediscovering their love of Christmas... So that's actually a pretty good, that's one of the better <laughs> summaries we've seen from Hallmark because it's longer. And I think that's because they were 
pumping this movie real hard. Like they were pumping I, it up. I have not seen, I mean, I saw ads on TikTok for this. Mm-hmm. I saw ads on my Instagrams and Facebooks. This was the one because it's got three big stars. In right. It. They knew this was their comedic gold. And really, again, that plot synopsis wraps it up pretty well. I'm going to go a little more in depth into what is here because this is a comedy. And yes, it is you know, nodding to three men and a baby from what the eighties or nineties, whenever the movie came out. So let's go into the in-depth plot. So in this story, we have a family that has three brothers and they are all still in the orbit of their mother at home. So we have, and I have their little names listed here. We have uh, Luke Brenner who is living upstairs while his house is being built. He's a firefighter and he doesn't really have any romantic connections yet. And then Stefan Brenner lives in the house in the backyard. It's like a separate detached home in in the backyard. And he is a pet therapist. He's played by Paul Campbell. Uh, Luke Brenner's played by Andrew Walker. And then Taylor Brenner lives in the basement. He works at a gaming company, like a software company called Fun and Games. And he is the basement dwelling gamer boy who has been just recently fired from his job for having opinions about things, uh, very strong opinions and wanting things to be his way when it is supposed to be more of a team effort. So all three of these boys are becoming men in their own way throughout this movie because uh, their mom is is wanting more from them. She's wanting them to step up a little more help with Christmas things. They're all kind of busy. But one day Luke is at work at the fire station and a baby is dropped off with a note for him that just says, hey, Luke, will you watch this baby for me until Christmas? No other context than that. So now he is watching this baby. He tries to hand it off to his mother at first, but she ends up having to go take care of Aunt Louise or whatever her name is. Um, she's in the hospital. So that she's like, you guys are three brothers. You can figure it out and work together. So all three brothers end up taking turns, making goofs with this baby, making mistakes with this baby, kind of holding the baby outstretched in front of them going, oh my gosh, it has a dirty diaper. And, you know, lots of comedic scenes with the baby, but also scenes of them bonding while they also find moments to have romantic connections. So, so Stefan is a pet therapist. He's having a connection with Susie who desperately wants pet therapy for her dog. Um, and then Taylor has an ex-girlfriend at work who is kind of over some of his childish behavior. He's reconnecting with her a little bit as well. And then at the end, we see that um, Luke will have a romantic connection with the baby mama when she shows up. So we've got something for everybody. Uh, one thing they're also working on that takes us into the final conflict of the movie is their neighbor wins the Christmas lights competition every single year. He is gunning to do it this year for the fourth year in a row. The news company's coming and they're like, we're going to beat him at his game because we want to win. We want to win this what cruise for their mom. So they decide at the last minute to kind of decorate the whole house with the nativity scene and hold the baby up Lion King style and do this whole thing. And they do that at the moment the reporter comes, they get all, all of that set up and they still lose the competition. But As they find out that they have lost, the baby mama shows up. She says, thank you for caring for my baby. They do eventually find out that she was just struggling and needed some space to deal with a housing situation. Luke goes back over to her house. They decide to connect. Fast forward to Christmas one year from now. They are all in romantic relationships with their respective lady friends. Luke is clearly becoming the actual baby daddy for baby Thomas because now we know his name. And they all lived happily ever after. Well done. So it's a lot of a lot of a lot. movie, but most of it think of it as the action centering around men with babies, uh, with one yeah. baby. 
Um, so let's start with our sparks for the movie. Yeah. Okay. So the big spark for me was the, well, it was really kind of three things that all go together. It was the acting, the comedic timing, and then the, the sentence level writing of the script. So it was very good. Yeah. This is a Paul Campbell, Kimberly Sestead script. And you yep. could see that they have a, a good understanding of what Hallmark is mm -hmm. and what the limits and boundaries are of Hallmark enough to kind of push on those a little bit, mm -hmm. but still keep it within, you know, the range of what we expect. And they are very funny. That, yeah, that writing team. That, that writing team is very funny and just the delivery like and that that really matters in a made for TV movie mm -hmm. quite a lot. There were some really cute one liners that that played very well that were smart writing. And they have, you know, you have three different men with three different personalities. So you have different types of comedic characters here mm -hmm. because you have Stefan or Stefan, who Stephen, is yeah. he's kind of the uptight, um, high anxiety, highly anxious. And he's a freaking pet therapist, which is a <laughs> hilarious job. And then you have Tyler Hines, who is more of a like dry, sarcastic kind of character. Mm -hmm. And he's also kind of playing off on that. And then you have Andrew, who's a little less comedic, but he fits in as that classic male hero. Right. He's like, this very much. <laughs> so that all worked really well. And we could have written down tons and tons of one liners throughout but I think, this. Yeah. I think, yeah, there, there were so many good marks. I think another spark for me was um, Tyler Hines specifically, which <laughs> I have, like, there's a huge following. You know, they, they're called the Heinies, if which you, is hilarious. Yes. If you exist, we, we learned it, I think, the first year we ever saw a Tyler Hines movie, that there is, like, a cult of women that are big fans. Big, big fans. And I've never really quite gotten the appeal. Like, he's, he's an attractive guy, sure, but I've always felt like his character's were just kind of flat and I felt like this one was the first time I got to see a sense of like fun and joy and I believed him as that character so he really came off as this like brooding sarcastic kind of hard to deal with guy who's still a good guy at heart versus a stoic good guy and that it, it alone I think the fact that he kind of got to be a little sarcastic and rude mm -hmm. worked really well for him and I was I was buying it and he got that character development throughout the movie because mm -hmm. at the beginning, as I sometimes do in these, I'm like, how are they going to redeem this man? You know, we're leaning too much into the comedy with him or too much into the character. And he did. He managed to kind of bring it around and deal with his own personality flaws and fall again for his former love. <laughs> I think another big spark in this movie for me was something that I enjoy, which is when it's not... The, the romantic relationships aren't the focal point of the movie. Yes. And so the fact that you got to kind of focus in on family and so the really, the dynamic of the three brothers and their mom, because I, I love Margaret Collin. Yeah, um, she it, was a delight in she, this. And, and you might recognize her for many things. For me, it was Independence Day. That's where oh, I know wow. her from. <laughs> I don't think I remember what any of the people looked like in that movie, but I'll take your word for it. I looked it up on IMDb because it was like, how do I know her? And yeah. She's been on lots of things, but it was Independence Day specifically that I remember her from. You could definitely see her as the, the anchor of the family. She is the heart of the family i do wish she had a little bit more screen time because she was so compelling because the movie is dependent on her not being there right because she if she was there then she would be taking over because she raised all three of these boys by herself she was a single mom mm -hmm. the dad ran off um so she would have probably been taken on the baby duty exactly she has to be gone for the boys to do that 
Um, so I, I just, I enjoyed a lot of the, the fun and like also difficult relationship that the brothers had with one another. And it led to some really cute small moments that I thought were fun. So one in particular that I loved was, um, the Tyler Hines character and Paul Campbell's character have been struggling all day to get the baby to sleep. And Andrew Walker comes in like, hey, boys, I'm home and wakes the baby up. And they're like, where have you been? And he starts doing the squat method with the baby where he's going up and down while he's holding Paul Campbell's hand. (laughs) And I just thought that that was so adorable because they know like what what does it mean to show intimacy between men Mm -hmm. on, on screen? And I thought it was really I mean, I think they were trying to do it more as a joke, but I still think that that representation of intimacy between men like that's platonic matters. And so I found that really enjoyable. And they were playing on kind of the trope of we're the moms that have been home with the baby all day. And then you've come home and I've been here with this baby and now you've woken the baby up. It's playing a little bit on that sort of bit. Um, But you could also that kind of brings me to a point that I hadn't really thought about, but I just thought about now, which is that you could see the chemistry between the actors Mm -hmm. in this movie. Um, You could see it in a lot of the promo stuff that we saw for this movie and the TikToks and things uh, that these actors just genuinely enjoyed working together and that showed on the screen. They clearly had fun. I think one of the funnest scenes, Tara, was your favorite scene. It was the dance scene. So they have like a friends routine level thing for Sugar Plum Fairy. Yeah. So they're over there playing the do, 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 do. Do, 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 which, you know, that makes a perfect little whimsical song and dance. So <laughs> they're like decorating the Christmas tree or whatever they're doing with the women there, the, the two girls, of who their names, by the way, are Susie, who's the dog owner girl, and Fiona, who is the gamer company girlfriend. And so they're there and the boys are like, let's do our dance. So they have these little <laughs> hand flourishes. It's got choreography. They like make a human Christmas tree. They're spinning. They're falling on each other. It was it was hilarious. It I was mean, hilarious. It was, it was hilarious for Hallmark. There are funnier things out there in the world. But it, yes, it had the vibe of Ross and Monica mm-hmm. with their little brother sister dance. That with they the do. New Year's uh, yeah countdown dance that they do on that episode. It was pretty, pretty spectacularly bad. And I loved it. And a spark that never got to spark for me is that they almost did it. The movie ends with them doing the very first move of the dance again <laughs> the following Christmas. And I was like, no, I wanted to see it one more time. Or I wanted them to do the dance as the credits rolled or whatever. It was a good cliffhanger, I got to say. What, for, for three wise men and a baby two is going to start with the dance again? Probably. <laughs> I'm just, just like saying it was right like, ooh, it, it left you wanting more. I was like, what happened? I know what happened. I can go back and watch it and see. I know it's a tiny little spark, but the baby was so cute the baby the baby was cute and then the secondary baby with with the crazy hair yeah because so there's a moment in the film where um andrew walker's character luke unintentionally grabs another uh baby carrier that looks exactly like his it's got a blanket over it and he brings home the wrong baby you know when you don't (laughs) see that baby in the carrier you know that this is going to be the comedic bit of oops i brought home the wrong baby and so when they finally like open it up this other baby had so much hair it was like donald (laughs) trump level like like a comb over (laughs) it was so intense it was so adorable and they did a good job making sure we knew it was not the right baby. Yes. 
Another bit that I liked in this is at the beginning when they're talking about Stefan or Stefan. Is it Stefan? It's Stefan. Um, the not the, like Urkel's the pet like alter ego brother. He <laughs> has written a book, and they show you the front of the book. Oh yes! And it's like we need to grab a screenshot of that and put that on our on our Instagram or something because it is like primates for life. Right? Is that what the book it's was what called? It's called. He's just and it's just by, like, like Paul Campbell <laughs> surrounded by like what dogs or animals? and like a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like very, very photoshopped. Like it's part of the comedy bit there. But I was like that. Number one, the fact that this dude is a pet therapist. But number two, that this is the book that he's written, and he's still living in his mom's. I want to know if he's paying rent to live in that house if he owns that house and it's just in the backyard because he's like it's a completely separate detached single family dwelling that is its own well, residence because it's like the other guys clearly are there temporarily because they have mentioned it's temporary right. luke is there because he's waiting for his house to be built right and gamer you, guy see the house being built gamer guy which is tyler hines character indicates that it's a temporary setup which makes me think he has not lived at home forever mm -hmm. he's just doing so right now because maybe he's fallen on some weird time maybe he and that girl live together yes yeah, so, he got kicked out but paul's campbell character clearly has his own house in his mom's backyard but he has crippling social anxiety he does he takes pills for it which that is leads to my last little spark which is this is the first time i have ever noticed intention being given to having to take anxiety meds because like he's in the park and he sees this guy and the guy gets stresses him out and the interactions with the guy stresses him out so he has to go behind a bush and like take his pills or the dog's not doing what he wants the dog to no, do he's avoiding a guy who yeah. wants him to do some sort of public speaking and he's like shaking the pill bottle to get him out one of those pills landed on the ground that's not safe and i was like i feel like a dog is gonna eat that pill I will say, while I liked that it was like, oh, hey, look, people sometimes do have crippling anxiety and like, let's make sure we call attention to it. it it's going to fall into snark category for me as well. Um, and I think it's going to lead into like the bigger snark segment, which is everything felt a little borderline. I'm laughing at this instead of with this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, are we using someone's crippling social anxiety to make fun of them versus to recognize it's actually right. a real thing people struggle with. Right. And, and I, for I a felt pet therapist, you would think he would do better. Something. Cause you know, he would understand before we move all the way into snarks though. I did have two little ones that I did like also two little sparks. Uh, one was there's a speech that Fiona gives Tyler when he's just being a jerk and she's kind of yes. calling him out on it. And I was like, that's probably the most calling out I've ever seen a Hallmark woman due to a man in like mm -hmm. a very real way like she was taking no bs from it was him taylor swift and drawing a line in the sand taylor swift level call out like it was like you you are the problem yeah <laughs> it's you you're the problem it's you and then the very last one it was more actually maybe it was more of a snark uh there was a very missed opportunity when mark the neighbor wins the christmas light competition he's like <laughs> we're gonna go back we've got a keg full of eggnog and then everyone austin's like that sounds disgusting it sounds <laughs> it like sounds it's gonna curdle but i was like all i could hear is that is a completely missed opportunity to call it a kegnog kegnog <laughs> Why would you ever have a keg of eggnog? But if you did, you would definitely call it a kegnog. Yeah, come on over for the kegnog kegger. We've got a kegnog. <laughs> Woo! I will say I actually did like the neighbor, Mark. He was super extreme. He was a caricature of all your like high school bro rivalries, mean neighbor next door. But it, it was quite funny because it was also making fun of male masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I did appreciate and enjoy that. 
And I do think his Christmas light display was better. Uh, I agree. I think he he deserved to, to crack like, that egg keg dog. And it had like lightsabers in the Yeah, snow. I was confused I by the lightsaber. That, but, but it was good. It was, it was definitely better and more well thought out. They didn't just slap it together in an afternoon. So he did deserve to win. Um, any other sparks before we move on to snarks? No, but I am. You can just see me over here rubbing my hands together. I'm ready for some snarks. <laughs> there, are, there are some we good have ones. Some. All right, let's start with maybe some of our big overarching snarks because there's some big ones here. Right, and if you really did love this movie and don't want to hear us like kind of crush your, then, your thoughts on it, then you might want to you want to skip to the skip end to the end because where we we're about to just kind of alternate title review. The the two main snarks that we're going to roll into here at the beginning are pretty overarching ones that are pretty inherent to the plot. And when we just started thinking into them and digging into this movie, they're they're very problematic. Yeah. Um, so the whole the whole movie is around a baby being surrendered to a fire station. Right. For a temporary amount of time. And no one calls child services ever. And reminder that we are foster parents. Yep. If, well, um, Andrew Walker's character, Luke, does say he's like, who surrenders a baby to a firehouse? I was like, that's. It's like a thing in a lot of places, maybe not where he is, but it is a thing, safe surrender for, for babies that you can give them up. And that is, I don't know. I was surprised that he didn't know that as a possibility, but then that nobody called CPS, nobody. And the reason they gave was like, well, it's so late at night, (laughs) which is BS because there are systems in place for people to be on call. We we have received placements in the middle of the night. Like. And we get the, there's like a night on call person. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously when you're talking about child safety, there's no such thing as too late. Um, There's always somebody that can take a kid. I think it's just because they're like, oh, well, the the note was addressed to Luke. So therefore this must not be a CPS issue, which it absolutely is. Absolutely. You don't know if the baby has like what the medical situation is of the child. Do they have allergies? Do they are like are there drugs in their system do they have aids those are all things that matter in how you're going to care for that child not even a name did they even give it she didn't give a name she didn't leave a name we didn't learn the name until she shows up at the end so the whole thing with that just felt really irresponsible not only on behalf of the characters but we see this in movies a lot where it it the messages it's sending to the general public are not good these are the messages we send through media that form people's opinions and shape people's knowledge about the world. Mm-hmm. And this is like an, an one that we could have done in a million different ways and well, still kept the comedy of the movie. Right. And I feel like that's why I'm so frustrated by it is like, you could have had the same premise of three brothers ending up having to care for a baby. They know nothing about without having to violate child safety laws. Like we came up with one right on the spot that um, Luke is got the girl lives next door. They've been friends. Maybe he's even held like a torch for her or a candle for her right. in the past. And then she slips and falls and she has to be carted off to the hospital. She's like, can you just watch the baby till I get back? I should be back once I get the cast And then her on. family's not available because there's a snowstorm. Like you can and use all the And she ends up having tropes. to have like surgery on her leg. And then it's like, oh, actually, can you keep the baby? It's probably going to be till Christmas. I mean, there's infinite ways to have this yeah. be more of a, I even, I just met you. Can you just watch my baby for a couple of yeah. days? Rather than a note on a baby carrier literally left at the door with no contact. Yeah. So I had a very hard time buying into it and then it sets up continuous problems in the plot for me. So we obviously have the first day where the baby's dropped off, Mm -hmm. but then 
when we have the baby switcheroo moment. Also, nobody calls CPS or nobody seems to investigate that this isn't even these men's baby. And what was really frustrating was they lost the baby. We have no contact information for the other family. The police get involved. We get less than less than 10 seconds of this after a commercial break where it's just Andrew Walker's character being talking to a police officer being like, I'm so sorry. I guess this happens a lot. And she's like, no. And that's, <laughs> it and doesn't. Like, and it's, it's like it comes in mid dialogue. It was a throwaway resolution. It was re this is where I felt like it was one of the weakest writing points in the whole movie. Right. And I think it's just because they were focused more on the comedy. I don't think this is because like they're bad people or anything for writing the movie. But, you know, we're going to get into that. Some of these snark issues are while we liked the sentence level writing and the comedy of the movie, the the plot is problematic in a lot of the, the bigger picture issues that should have been the starting point for when they wrote this movie. And this, this falls under that. Um, I think also then there's a third place that this happens. Ah, yes. So we have Paul Campbell's character being like, oh, you're so perfect. And he's like unbuttoning the little onesie that the baby's in and sees this very like scary rash on his chest. And then they go to the emergency room. We get our cameo. Um, with Kimberly Sussted is Kimberly the doctor Sussted. in the emergency yeah. room. And nobody's filling out any paperwork. Right. They don't know the baby's name. Like how, I mean, I guess the hospital will still see people, mm -hmm. but my, yeah. How did they get this baby seen? Pretty sure hospital that hospitals have Without rules. there being questions about why do these random men have this random baby that they know nothing about? Yep. So it just, it felt. Like that's where CPS should have been called again. Right. So it was just all of What do you mean this things? isn't your baby? What do you mean you don't know the baby's name? What do you mean you don't know the baby's birth date? Like that's a basic thing you're going to have to fill out on a form. Right. We and just they were found, like, it's not a stray cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's a baby. So yeah, I think it was like, it's the fact that we continuously had problematic plot holes because of it really infuriated me and again there would have been such a simple way to still give the comedic principle of this movie without having to have all of these problems well and there's a there's a way to write that scene in with kimberly says that make her the pharmacist and they're just trying to pick out something and go what would you give this baby for this rash yeah. and she could look at the baby and go oh that looks like a common teething rash and they'd be like oh phew. and then you'd have the same thing but with it without having the medical issue yeah it's just ugh. This also leads to another big problem. Which I call the feminism issue in this movie. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, it's the it's the bumbling men raising the child. And I feel like in 1980, whatever, when we had three men and a baby, it worked. Well, it worked because we weren't thinking too hard. Somebody somewhere was critiquing that. But most people were just like, we're here for the comedy. Men raising babies. How funny. It is 2022. Two of these men, including Paul Campbell, have children. They are dads. Mm -hmm. um, I think Tyler Hines is the only one who doesn't have children of his own. Mm -hmm. They know. They, they, dads are not babysitters. Men can figure out babies. There's nothing that says that because you have certain anatomy that you can or can't handle a baby being thrust in front of you. And these are smart men in this movie, too. And, like, that's what was so problematic was, yeah, we can figure it out. And yet they Googled not a thing. It feels like weaponized incompetence. It feels like if their mother was there, they would just be like, oh, I don't know how to buy diapers. Poop is yucky. I can't do this. And then mom would end up dealing with this baby. Mm -hmm. And that's what 
that's what I feel like this movie is doing in 2022 when it, we need yeah. to be able to say the men would be able to figure this out. We have Google, we have videos. You can ask people, you can read labels on freaking diapers and figure out that they are for adults and not for babies. Right. And like the fact that they went so extreme with some of these like moments of incompetence really bothered me. Right. So the, the diaper situation specifically. So he is in an aisle and there's another mom talking to him and she's helping him pick out formula and yet doesn't think to ask what size diaper he should get. And you, the adult diapers are not in the same location as baby diapers. Right. Um, and the fact that like, Adult diapers are a real need that people have, and I feel like they were using it for comedic purposes. So again, you are laughing at somebody's like, like, in, haha, aren't adult diapers funny? Right, and like, like they're a necessity for a lot of people. Right, versus like, oh, I got the like five T pull up trainers for a newborn baby. That doesn't make any sense. Like right. that could have still been funny without going to problematic, like ableism. Right. And, you know, with the diapers, any educated person, like we certainly have also been in the situation where a baby arrives at our house and we've never raised baby. We, we didn't get a baby that popped out at one day old. Mm -hmm. We've had yeah. babies that were older than that. And you get them and you're like, what is your feeding schedule? How do we, what di size diapers do you wear? Diapers say sizes and how many pounds the baby is on them. It's a range. You don't have to know that that baby weighs exactly 25 pounds or whatever, but you can certainly tell that the baby is not a men's XL. <laughs> right. Which is what it's going to say on the adult diapers. Like just read the freaking label. And he's a gamer. Like he's not just a gamer. He's a coder. Like he writes really intense code it's not like he's an idiot. It's an apathy. It's it's a weaponized incompetence. It's like, well, I'm going to put minimal effort into this and maybe somebody else will mm. step in and do it for me, which technically in his case, I guess he can say, hey, this is Luke's issue. I don't even right. know why I'm dealing with this baby. But it at times comes to where it could be harmful to the baby. Right. I so have a lot of questions about safety <laughs> like we don't know like that they know how to do feeding schedules and what proper nutrition is how if, often did this diaper get changed did they even have diapers on the first night at all what right. were they doing like we are assuming that this child is in like newborn phase there are some rules about like how a baby sleeps like you should not have like blankets and pillows and they never once buy a crib or a pack and play and there were definitely times when they were clearly taking the baby out of the carrier and the baby wasn't buckled in. Mm -hmm. And you can say, well, maybe the baby had just been unbuckled, right? That could be the case. But I I don't know that they know things like how to safely strap the baby in that's not too tight or not too loose. The baby looked a little loose. I know that's all Hollywood stuff. That's movies. But right. But it's like, but it all compounded into this baby was stra either strapped into a carrier or being held while doing things that you should not really hold a newborn baby. Like Paul Cable's character is trying to bake cookies with the baby, with the baby hands. in and his arm. That just feels like a burn waiting to happen. Or especially when you're not used, like if you are used to having babies around and you can handle and juggle like baby and stuff, but he doesn't know how to, and he, you could tell. Yeah. So maybe so, yeah. seems a little unsafe. It just, the baby never got to crawl on the floor or have tummy time or any of that kind of stuff. I, I was like, I was like, I'll forgive them for tummy time. Cause it's like that, that is a level of understanding of like, mm -hmm. you are prepared for a baby to be in your life and like invested in their development. <laughs> 
But there's like an open flame in the fireplace. And I assume that they just never put the baby on the floor. Because if they had, I feel like that baby would just walk right into that fire. Well, I don't think the baby was walking. So it's fine. Well, we don't know. I mean, the baby could have been a crawling aged baby. Yeah, we true. never we saw the baby all, out of the carrier. We don't the baby know. could hold its head up. You know, it was definitely old enough to like be held in someone's arms and like look around and stuff. Like probably like a four month old kind of. I'm probably more like six months old. Really? Okay. At least. And it's like, you could be potentially in the crawling. Way. I, I'm not, I didn't know if it was like a Hollywood baby babies. where it's like technically, you know, really it's an eight month old playing a four month old. I th- I was gonna say, it's just like, yeah, it's like Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I know what she did last summer. It's just like, oh yeah, this baby's actually 25 playing a, f- a, f- a six month old. <laughs> I didn't know Jennifer Love Hewitt made a cameo as the baby. But I think Tyler Hines does say that he thinks just tells people the baby's ten years old. He's like, he does say that, and it's like again, maybe that's his dry humor. He just really does not care to realize that this baby. He could just say one, right? This baby is one. I don't care about how many months old the baby is. Babies are just one. Like that might be a thing someone would say, but does I don't does he really think this baby's ten, or is he just saying I just don't care enough? That's and that's to give any estimate of how old this baby is. I do think he went on an extreme side of in order to just be this like aloof, brooding kind of like gamer dude who only wants it his way, he had to throw one liners. Even if he does care, he's putting up a wall of I can't care, so I'm just gonna say you're 10. The last baby safety issue that kind of fits under this for me is when we get to the end of the movie when they're doing the nativity scene with the reporter and all of that. It's snowing outside and they have the baby as the baby Jesus in the nativity. And that baby has no hat on in the snow. Just like bald head, just free to the wind. And that just felt really irresponsible. I was like, baby Jesus is cold, y'all. Put a put a hat on that baby. Put, like, Wrap a blanket okay. over Swaddle him. Swaddle him a little better yeah. on top of his head. <sighs> Um, yeah, I, I agree. I was I struggled with that. Um, some smaller snarks for me. Yes, I have two. I have more than you that. have. You may have more than two. I have two. My so, and this this kind of connects to the. We have three heavy hitter male actors, mm-hmm. and this cl- movie clearly was a thirst trap. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> like it starts the opening scene. Is Andrew Walker shirtless in the bathroom giving affirmations oh, to himself? And my queer self was just like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I know who this movie is for. Oh, there's Manchester, and all these people are just going to be losing their minds. And men caring for babies, which mm-hmm. is the thirst trap too, right? Oh, look at them. It's so funny. They're being paternal, maternal, whatever. They're caring for a baby. And like... Oh my goodness, did you know firefighters are heroes without capes? It's like, like yes, we all know that. Like that's not a surprise. We've known that forever. And also, um, oh my mom did so much. What have we ever done for her? So it was just a lot of like But they didn't do enough for her. No, that's okay. Let's talk about that one, please. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm derail I'm like taking no, them in a different direction, okay, so, but like they needed to do more for mama. So she raised in, them by herself. She raised them by herself. They are like, you know what? We're going to get into this light show competition. We're going to win our mom a cruise because what have we ever given to her? Well, she's done so much, blah, 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 blah. They don't win the contest. And what does mom get for Christmas? A four by six photo of them. She wanted a cruise, y'all. I mean, she didn't know she wanted a cruise. That woman deserved a cruise. And, like, the amount of money that they spent on the decorations last minute for this, I believe, could have paid for a cruise. Because the large-scale inflatables they had, 
are ain't, not cheap. Ain't cheap. And they bought like all that baby stuff. Like they bought so much baby stuff for this baby that's only going to stay through Christmas. They bought a swing. I mean, they had carts full of stuff. And I don't know if their plan was then to just turn around and sell it. I assume that's part of the method or maybe they gave it to the mom. We don't I know what they, they actually did. did. But it's like they clearly had the money to go out and buy some real baby stuff for this baby. Lots of things. So I was disappointed at the lack of care for mom. Well, they live at home with her. They are not paying rent. I mean, right. I guess probably Luke is maybe paying on a mortgage or he's about to start paying it. Well, his house isn't done yet. So when do you start paying the mortgage on your unfinished home? Like, Well, you- he's probably, I mean, he's paying for something. He's paying for construction. He's paying for the land. Like there's something. He has put money down. Like Luke gets a pass. Because he's in the middle. I, I don't know how much a pet therapist makes. So maybe his problem is that he's not actually making too much money for Stefan. Yeah, we only like, saw two clients. So maybe he's <laughs> he's living with mom because he's not bringing in some money. But Tyler Hines, Taylor in, is his name in the movie. Um, he can buy mama a cruise. He's just living in her basement, making a salary. I mean, he's unemployed for like one week in this movie. But right. he, he can toss a, at least a two-night carnival situation her way. Other little do, do you? I have some other small. Snarkies. I have I have one with the product placement. We are we are living for the product placement in these <laughs> movies this year. Like it, it used to be, you know, it's the Balsam Hill tree placements and the Folgers. Those are kind of the ye old ones, but they have really taken it up a notch in the past couple of movies. And this one was just they opened the refrigerator and there's just a big old tub of daisy sour cream sitting in the refrigerator (laughs) luckily they could have gone more with it and talked about like we really need the daisy sour cream to put a dollop of daisy on our dip your strawberries in there which their commercials keep telling you to tell me that you're supposed to do uh, the daisy commercials are constant in this film all the films and they dip the strawberries in the sour cream but yeah there's just this giant tub of daisy when they go in to get the orange juice out of the fridge and i was like okay so we're just not even being subtle about it anymore it's not just the Folgers on the counter when they're yeah. making um you're coffee creating in the a morning. whole new moment in the scene versus it existing simultaneously right felt uh, cheap yeah <laughs> um a small a small snark for me um andrew walker's character luke is talking about how he doesn't pay attention to his brother's text messages because they're just cat gifs and I know that I know you're going to have some opinions about this, Tara, but we all as a community of Internet users decided to call it GIF. And I don't I believe it should have been pronounced as GIF. Yeah. So Austin at first was like, he called it a GIF. Who got and I was like, yeah, that's what it's actually called. They came out a couple of years ago and the creator of it said, you guys have been saying GIF, but it is. You've been saying GIF, but it is, in fact, GIF. That is the official pronunciation. And the internet collectively said, no, no you're you. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so to call out Andrew Walker for saying it that way, I assume is because he is trying to say it the quote unquote correct way. But the internet still wasn't having it. I'm I'm team GIF, even if it's technically wrong. It does sound really jarring to the ear to hear it. So I get that. Um, the other... Uh, it's another Andrew Walker one at the end of the movie when he is finding out the story of why um, the mom has left the baby. You know, she's explaining everything and she's saying, I left him with you because you helped me through my labor. I trusted you. And he was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. I did. And then he goes on to say, I've thought about that a thousand times since that day. Luke, 
how have you thought about it a thousand times if you couldn't remember her? Like I, have, I, I have a, I have a theory. <laughs> I think he was paying attention to a different part of her well, body. Well, <laughs> no, she was wearing glasses, and then she <gasps> took off her glasses, and she looked like a completely different woman. He couldn't even recognize her. She was so gorgeous. Or she had her hair up in a ponytail, and then she took it down, and she looked like a completely different woman, and he couldn't recognize her. Or you know, she was in freaking labor, so she looked like a completely different woman. <laughs> I like the glasses one. I yeah, think that one. I think she was wearing glasses because <laughs> she was giving birth, so she did. She yeah. didn't have her contacts in. Um, I think my last little snark for this one is, again, I liked the relationship of family. I felt like the baby was used as a comedic prop versus a character. I wanted them to love that baby, and at no point did I ever feel like they were falling in love with the baby. Especially, you knew, you knew, future baby daddy, right? You knew that they were going to be in that baby's life. And I, I felt like that was a missed opportunity in this one for sure. Well, it definitely was giving like we found this puppy and we're trying to find its owner, but we really want to keep it. But look, oh, we actually get to keep the puppy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is a this is a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you have a baby for a couple of days, like as a foster parent and you fall in love with that baby, you still got to give it back to its mama. And you're not always going to get to marry that baby's mama and get to be the baby's new daddy. That's not how it goes mm-hmm. most of the time. So it's he not. needed to be able to give the baby, but we we weren't feeling the love anyways. Like they, no. ju- they just didn't seem to be. There was no safety, so it was hard for them to the warm <laughs> fuzzies. It was focused on the comedy, not the yeah. warm fuzzies. Oh, I I forgot. There is one more. Okay, and it is Tyler Hines. Mm-hmm. Always has something in his mouth. Like he he is clearly like a. I didn't a, notice that he's like a food actor or a mouth actor. So it's like it. He's got the candy cane in one scene. He's always got a beverage, and it's like a Brad Pitt thing to do this. Uh-huh. Like Brad Pitt always wants to like be eating yeah. or chewing, and it's like part of his thing. And I, Tyler Hines in this movie cannot have a scene where he's not chewing on something. I think it's to like pull attention to his mouth. Like even when he's trying to put the swing <laughs> together, he has be the screwdriver about putting their in mouth his on his mouth. mouth. <laughs> And I was just like, what is this? I don't like it. Yeah, I but didn't again, notice, but now I guess I will, whenever I watch these <laughs> movies, I'll have to look out to see Tyler. I don't want to look at his mouth, Austin. Well, now you're going to have to. <laughs> I did say this is a movie for the heteros. Like you said, it's it's a thirst <laughs> trap. It's the, it has like the heteros are going to love this one. This is not a movie for the gays. It was too much. But my, my final snark is... At the end, when they do this nativity scene thing, they had bought it at like a Costco type store, like Mm -hmm. a whatever department store. So they're like, oh, we're going to buy this. And it's in a box, like a box that's maybe like the size of like a television box or something like that. Looking at what shows up in their yard for this nativity scene, I have no clue how it all fit in that box. There's no way. Like the Ikea pieces that you put together for your like bed set are half like half yeah. the size of this and even this was if like it was cardboard times it was not yeah it was like a whole it was i don't know there was like pieces that even if you folded them down would not fit inside of it it was what they showed on the picture on that box is, is not what was in that men those men's yard <laughs> that's all i want to say fair enough fair enough so have we covered have we covered everything? I think we've gone through we've um, sufficiently late into this movie our, in the second half of the podcast. Clearly we have some problems with it, but you know, <laughs> that's what we do. So stay tuned as we lead into these final segments to see now that we've given you the good and the bad, maybe you'll be surprised by our final rating. That's right. All right. So let's talk about will these loves last? 
Um, I think that the family will still love each other. I agree. (laughs) And I do actually think that Luke, Andrew Walker's character, will get with this woman and that they will stay with the baby. Because Luke is the kind of guy that will stick by. Right. And I think all weird premises aside, sure. 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 Um, Paul Campbell's character, Stefan, and his leading lady, I don't remember her character's name. Um, Her name was... Susie. Susie, that's right. I'm I'm 50-50 on them. I think that they could be the perfect match for each other because she was going for him. She went after him. But it also could be the kind of relationship where she gets about six months into it and goes, oh, you are too much. Uh, you're not enough, really. Well, I, I feel like he would be the one who would just like ghost her all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly they're together for a year because we have an epilogue. Right. So, like, we'll give everyone a year. They make it that far. <laughs> we'll give everyone a year. Um, but I think that he f- might feel she's a little overbearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his anxiety. Um, but I think it could work. I think there are relationships like that where you have the really anxious person and the person who, like, is gung-ho to mm-hmm. be with them. And that they they bring out the best in each other once they kind of figure out each other's idiosyncrasies. So I could see that happening here. All right. So you're saying this love will last. I do think so. Okay. For once, yeah. The one I, I don't think will last, though. I don't think that... Um, Taylor and Fiona. Yeah, I do not think that they're going to work out. That's Tyler Hines and his uh, ex-girlfriend that get back together in this movie. I, I I don't see that one going the distance. Yeah, I would agree. that They've already had an off-again, on-again relationship, and it's really because he doesn't... He's so self-centered and so self-deprecating and I don't believe that you just saying I'm not going to be those things anymore is enough. Mm-hmm. I think that he's trying to work, but I don't I think he's going to have a hard time actually following through with commitment with her. Mm-hmm. I give them six more months um, at post movie. Fair. <laughs> so title review, three wise men and a baby. What do you think? I did not like the title of this at all. I didn't like it because of the word wise. Nobody in this movie is wise. <laughs> and I felt like they forced in the wise men at the end to kind of make it make sense. Mm-hmm. That's why they had to do the nativity thing. Exactly. I feel like that whole plot could have been left out of the movie or they could have done something different there, but it was specifically to get the wise, wise men. Oh, for sure. I-, I feel like this should have been like thirsty thirst trap Christmas. <laughs> like, <laughs> like let's, let's call it what it was. A very Heine Christmas. <laughs> Um, I also like, I know that this is loosely based on three men and a baby, but it, it, there's so many things that you couldn't do. Cause there's like drugs involved and three yeah. men and a baby. So it's like, I get why they're trying to play on it. And I just, I, I didn't like baby Christmas. I don't know. It just like, I, I'm going to stick with thirsty, thirsty Christmas, <laughs> three Christmas men and a baby, three men and a baby at Christmas, three men baby jesus <laughs> i have no better title for this movie yeah maybe if they had just said three fools and a baby i would have gone for three it. fools and a baby weaponized incompetence <laughs> um that's what at christmas christmas weaponized christmas incompetence i don't know that you could have weaponized as a title at a hallmark oh, movie man. <laughs> um overall sparks and snarks i'd say it's a four on the snark scale for sure four Spark scale, two. Like the romance. The spark is not just for the romance, though. It's for the the movie as a whole. It's for the movie as a whole. Four, three, three, five. I'm going to give it, it's, I'm going to give it three sparks 
mainly because I did enjoy seeing three heavy hitters of Hallmark coming together. I thought that the the dynamic between all of them was really good. I would be four if I didn't have such big problems with the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the writing was strong in a lot of places. The comedy was strong. And just the uh, chemistry between all of the, the characters and the acting was really, really good in this movie. So three sparks, four snarks for me. And it knew it was dishing out snarks. Like mm-hmm. it's a comedy. It was playing on that. So that, that all fits really well there. So our final tiered ranking for this one then is it snooze fest, bad but snarkable, watchable, watchable on purpose, or annoyingly good? Because I know what I think. I'm going to go with watchable on purpose. I think I'm in the same place because it is watchable. I don't think it's not a snooze fest. It's Mm -mm. not annoying. It's not, it's not annoyingly good. It's too problematic to be annoyingly good. It's too problematic to be annoyingly good, but it has all the markings of being an annoyingly good movie. It's definitely worth watching, especially if you're a hetero who likes uh, shirtless Andrew Walker. Yeah, it definitely is playing (laughs) into all the things that the Hallmark audience, you know, these are going to be, Candy Cam has left, Candace Cameron Bray, some of the favorite actors and actresses Mm -hmm. have left, but this is the new guard. These are the new kings of Hallmark, Mm -hmm. and they put them all in this movie, and I think at the right time, like right before the Thanksgiving weekend, so they can play it all through the Christmas season because people will watch this. Some people will say it is annoyingly good. For us, it is one that I probably would watch and not just zone out in my phone for parts of it agreed agreed yeah um well despite all of our critiques we we do think it's a good movie yeah just just go in knowing this is not how you handle surrendered (laughs) babies do better know better don't follow their lead maybe that's the new title do better next christmas and just men in general do do better like just look at the labels on the diapers that's all we ask um so with all of that um don't forget to follow us on twitter instagram facebook and you know made twitter who knows how much longer that has but feel free to follow us and if you haven't already please give us a, a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts thank you so much for joining us for tonight's episode I've been Tara. I've been Austin. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. <laughs>